You're listening to Reality San Francisco's weekly podcast. For more audio content or information, please visit us at realitysf.com. First Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, we've been in a, uh, a series on uh, the, the Holy Spirit and the spiritual gifts. And so what I want to do is I want to read to you out of First Corinthians from, I'm using the uh, New International Version, um, the 2010, I believe, um, which I think has a really good translation of First Corinthians, and that's why we use it uh, for this study. Uh, and I'm going to start in verse 1, and I'm going to read it, and I'm also going to provide a little bit of commentary, if you don't mind. So I'll read some verses and then do a little bit of commentary and then read some more and do a little bit of commentary just to, just to make sure you guys are, you guys are getting what uh, Paul is putting down here to the church in Corinth. And then I'll pray and ask God to, uh, to bless our time this morning. I think he already has been blessing our time, but maybe this part of the, of the service too. Um, verse 1. Now about the gifts of the Spirit. What is that word? Who remembers? Pneumatica. Now about spiritual stuff. Okay, spiritual gifts, the word gifts is not in there in the Greek. It's added for clarification. But what Paul is saying here is now about spiritual stuff. Now about some things going on that the Spirit is doing in the church in Corinth. Now what the Spirit of God is up to in your church. I want to talk about those things. So now about spiritual stuff, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. I want you to know about this stuff. You know that when you were pagans, that is you were away from Christ, you were not following Jesus, um, you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced or led astray by dumb idols. The reason why he says dumb is because idols do not speak and idols do not hear. But the living God speaks and the living God hears. How does the living God speak and how does the living God hear? He's about to tell us. So he's contrasting dumb idols to the living God. You were influenced by dumb idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. And so Paul says is the first thing the Spirit does is make you receptive to Jesus. The Spirit of God comes into a person's life and it makes them receptive to Christ. So everything that we're going to be talking about this morning and talking about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is there to make us receptive to Christ, to glorify Christ, to build up the body, which is the body of Christ. Verse 4, there are different kinds of gifts. That word is charismata, charismata. So about, this is where it talks about gifts, and we'll, we'll get more into this today. Now, there are different kinds of gifts in the church, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service in the church, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working in the church, but in all of them and in everyone, it's the same God at work. Now to each one, you might want to underline it in that, each one, that means everyone in here, if you're a follower of Jesus, everyone has one of these. To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So everyone has one. To one there is given through the Spirit a, a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits, and to another different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of those tongues. All of these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines. Now that's where we've been the last three weeks, but I'm going to dip a little into where we're going to go next week just to build some context about today. Look at verse 12. Just as one body, though one, has many parts, but all its parts are from one body, so is Christ. So I'm, I'm, I'm Dave, I'm uh, a guy, and I have many parts, though I have many parts, I'm still Dave, the guy. So it is with the body of Christ. 
body of Christ, all you guys make up the body of Christ. All you guys are different parts, but we're still the same body. That's his point. For we are all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we are all given the one spirit to drink. And so the body of Christ is not made up, uh, and so the body of Christ is not made up of one part, but of many parts. Now, and I love the logic Paul uses here. Now, imagine this. This is just funny. I kind of, you just get funny pictures in your head. Now, if the foot should say, now imagine one of you is the foot. Okay, we're the body of Christ, and some of you use a foot. Like, the church always walks on me. Well, that's your gift. Um, your gift <laughs> is that. So, um, just as the body, though, one, everyone has a part. Now, if the foot should say, verse 15, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. Can you imagine if your foot just up and said that one day? Like, you know what? I'm not a part of this body because I'm not the hand. You're like, no, I need you to be a foot. Because if you were a hand, then we'd have problems. Verse 16, and if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, great picture, where would the sense of hearing be? How can an eye hear? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Oh, I love that. All of you are just the way God wants you to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. This is all we're talking about today, so let me pray really fast. God, give us your spirit to understand these things. Give us your spirit to purify us. Give us your spirit that we can walk in these truths. In Jesus' name, amen. The church, this church, the church, the Catholic church in the sense of Catholic, I mean the universal church, the church is not just a learning community. Though we are here every week and we learn and we grow, we're community groups and we're learning, we're not simply a learning community. The church is not just a learning community. And the church is not simply a serving community. We serve, a lot of your community groups serve, we do serve the city, we serve in all different ways. A lot of you go into the Tenderloin after service to serve. All of you serve in different ways. The church isn't simply a learning community and the church isn't simply a serving community. The church is also a manifestation community. It's God manifesting himself through us. It's God showing what he is like in the world through us to encourage us, to strengthen us. For some of us, we need comfort to comfort us. If we are open to it, the church of Christ is a manifestation community. It is a community that comes together to manifest what God is like in the world. And for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit. And we said this a couple of weeks ago. We said the Spirit's work, the work of the Holy Spirit is to manifest the active presence of God in the world and especially the church. The Spirit's job, role, his, what, what the Spirit of God does in a church is that he, he manifests the active, meaning alive, meaning living, breathing, today, now, here and now, the active, God is active He's not dead. He's alive and he's moving. The Spirit of God manifests the active presence of God in the world, in San Francisco, and in the church when we gather together. He's here. He's not dead. He's not dumb. He's listening. He speaks. We said also a couple of weeks ago the Holy Spirit is God, and the Holy Spirit is a person. To get theological, 
he is the third person of the Trinity. God in three persons, blessed Trinity. We said this is what it means to be spiritual. To have the Spirit of God is what it means to be spiritual. In our modern definition of spirituality, it tends to be esoteric. When we define what spirituality means in San Francisco, if we were to define it on the streets, a lot of definitions would be this esoteric, private, obscure, mystic spirituality that all kinds of people try to tap into in different ways. It's also completely individualistic. If you look at the leading writings on spirituality, it, it is. The definitions are, if you want worldly success or inner peace or supreme enlightenment or you want to find yourself, as Deepak Chopra says, that's true spirituality. Finding yourself, going deep within. But this is not what the Bible talks about. This is not what the Christian faith talks about when it talks about spirituality. When the Christian faith talks about spirituality, it means this. Biblical spirituality is animated or made alive by the Spirit of God. It's that the Spirit of God would come inside of a person, would move into a person, and cause them to be alive or animate them. Now, why does the Spirit of God cause you to be alive? What does He animate in us? And why does He animate us? And it says right here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, he animates us, he makes us alive, he manifests himself through the church for the common good. He manifests himself in the world and in the church for the common good. It's not esoteric in the sense that it's merely private. When the Spirit of God comes upon the church, it comes upon the church in a very public way. The first time the Spirit of God came upon the church in the book of Acts, the very beginning, there were literally tongues of fire coming down upon the church. We sing metaphorically, maybe even physically, if it doesn't burn the building down, but metaphorically that the fire of God would come down on us, the purifying Spirit of God. There are songs that sing that fire fall down. And when you sing that, if you're new to the church, you're like, I don't know if I want to sing that. Like, what are they saying? Um... That sounds like judgment to me. Now, the Holy Spirit comes down in fire. He purifies the church. He lights inside of us a fire. And this is what the Spirit of God does. And it's not individualistic. When the Spirit of God comes upon a person, it's not merely for you. The Spirit of God comes upon us for a very public reason, for the common good. And what the Spirit gives are what we call, and what the Scriptures call, spirituals. The word gifts is not in there. We add that because it makes it clear for us. But what the Spirit gives are spirituals. And we traditionally call them spiritual gifts. And let me define for you spiritual gifts. We took the, the large part of the sermon last week to define them. Let me sum them up for you. Give them to you in one short burst. Here it is by definition. Spiritual gifts are any ability that is given by and or empowered by the Holy Spirit to be used in any ministry of the church. The gifts of the Spirit are supernatural enablings that allow us to engage in the ministry of Christ. The purpose of spiritual gifts is to build up, strengthen, enable, and comfort one another in being faithful to Christ and His mission until He returns. All gifts must be exercised in love. Every believer has at least one spiritual gift, and most Jesus followers have several. No one has them all. No one has them all. No one has them all. And so if you ever run across a Christian that says, I 
am a believer in Jesus, but I don't go to church. I don't think I need the church. And you can say, oh, so you think that you have all the spiritual gifts then, is what you're saying. You have them all. You're like the whole package. You're like a church in yourself. (laughs) I understand people leave the church because the church hurts them. I get that. I think there's probably very few of us in here that have not been hurt by the church. Most of us in here, if we were honest, have been hurt by the church in some way or another. You might have even been hurt by this church. That is no reason to go, I don't need the church anymore. No, you need the church. The church needs you. We need each other. That's the whole point here. No person has all the gifts. To manifest what Christ is like in the world, we need the church. We need to be like, um, the analogy, the the picture that comes into my head, because I'm a little older than probably um, a lot of you, is the Transformers. You probably don't, oh wait, there's the new movie that came out, Transformers. You guys know the Transformers. (laughs) I was thinking I had to explain to you a cartoon, but no, you know, they did that movie recently. Wait, did they do Transformers? They did. Do the Transformers come together? They do, right? Anyways, it doesn't matter. Power Rangers, right? <laughs> that's, that's maybe, maybe a better analogy. Um, they all come together. Like you can't just be uh, alone. and you need, you, you need the church. You're, you can't just be a lone ear out there and go, I just hear God. Well, can you see God? Can you serve God? Can, no, I'm just the ear. I'm like, no, you're not, not, you, need, you need some other body parts. You can't just be a lone ranger, a lone Christian. Now, the church in Corinth was abusing the gifts. They had a reputation of abusing the gifts. That's why Paul's writing this. And they especially abused the gift of tongues, which trips a lot of people out. Because the gift of tongues is basically a gift that you have a language. You're given a language that you didn't have before. Like you start speaking in a different language. And you're like, what would you say? I'm like, I don't know. The Spirit of God came upon me and he was giving me a language and I said something. That trips some people out. If you've ever heard someone in a prayer meeting start praying in tongues, you're like, okay, things just got nuts. Um, or you might have that gift. Um, there's a lot of, and there's a lot of um, weird things attached to this. And when I say weird, I mean there's a lot of beliefs that are attached to this. There are some people that believe that unless you speak in tongues, you're not saved. Um, and we don't believe that. I don't speak in tongues. I pray for tongues for 10 years. And God's like, no, you're not getting that, um, that gift. And it says here that God gives as he wills. And so there's a lot of, and, and in Corinth, they were abusing tongues, and they were coming into a church, and everyone was speaking in tongues, but there was no one to interpret the tongues. So nobody knew what each other was saying. And Paul's like, what good is that? You guys all come together, and everyone starts speaking in other languages, and nobody knows what you're saying. And you guys are just confusing everyone. And unbelievers are walking in, and they're getting confused as well, because they don't know what you're talking about. Unless you have an interpreter, tongues are useless, unless it's used for prayer privately. And so they were abusing this. And abuse and gifts, gifts can be a very powerful and beautiful thing. When they're used right, they're beautiful. But when the gifts are used in a, wrong, they're used oftentimes in abusive ways. They're very tragic when they're used wrongly. They can hurt people when they're used wrongly. They can turn the attention on people and not on God. See, the gifts are given to show what God is like in the world. In other words, gifts are never about you. The gifts are about the giver. The gifts are never about how cool the gift is or how powerful the gift is. The gift is always about the giver. You may, be, you may have come from a church context where they have abused the gifts, whether in a charismatic sense in that they, there was an overuse of the gifts and there was, they weren't done in order and decent and they weren't glorifying the God, they were glorifying of the person or the church 
And then it just really turns you off. You're like, I don't like this. I don't like this abuse. And you might have even been hurt. You might have even come up to you and said, you don't, you, you don't have this gift. You, you, don't, you can't be in this church unless you have this gift. That's an abuse of the gifts, and it hurt you. Or you've been into a church where there's a, a more cessationist abuse, meaning the gifts are underused. They're not used at all. No gifts exist in the church, and only the gift of teaching, because I have that gift. Some people, some churches do that. Gifts are not for today unless it's teaching, because I have that. So, but everyone else, you're out. You don't get a gift. I do. No one else. Sorry. It's an underuse of the gifts, and you might have been hurt by that. Now, we can't let bad examples form our theology. We can't have come from a church and go, well, I've seen it this way, that's why I believe this. Or I've seen it that way, that's why I believe this. We have to let Scripture form our theology. It would be unfaithful to God and to Scripture if we let our experience form our theology. Paul doesn't say, because they abuse the gifts, do them less. They abuse the gift, and Paul could have said, okay, listen, you guys are abusing the gifts. Can you guys just stop using the gifts for like a couple years? And then when I get there, I'll talk to you. He says, don't stop using them. I want you to use them, but use them better. I want you to use the gifts better than you're, you're using them right now. So the way Paul starts to correct Corinth is by saying, first he says, you need each other. You guys need each other. You need your gifts to work together. He uses the body as an analogy. God doesn't give one person all the gifts, but he distributes them so we all need each other. He distributes the gifts, different ones to each person, so I need you, you need me, and we all need each other. God gives them without discrimination of gender or social class or even ethical maturity. That's why they're called gifts. They're not called paychecks. They're called gifts because they're given by grace. Like, well, I didn't deserve that gift. That's why it's a gift. They're spiritual gifts. One, uh, a couple of scholars said this about the gifts. They said, each member of the church has received a gift directly from God which he or she then shares with the rest of the community. With even the poorer members of the community, speaking of Corinth, this is a really good insight, with even the poorer members of the community in Corinth having gifts to share with the wealthy and the well-connected so that each member is dependent on the free sharing of the gifts of all the other members of the community. Each one has something they have received directly from God and have been empowered to share with the rest. I love this. There was a lot of class struggle going on in Corinth. There was very rich people in Corinth, and there was very, very poor people in Corinth. And the rich people, and not surprisingly, there's something about this when we're, I mean, San Francisco is a very wealthy city. We live in a very, an extremely wealthy country. And because we have wealth, we can purchase our way out of things. We can get lawyers and healthcare and good doctors and get things done politically and all of that other stuff. And so we could tend not to need anyone else. I don't need you, and I don't need your gift of healing because I can go to my doctor. I don't need your gift of wisdom because I can see a lawyer. I don't need your gift of this because I can go. And so the wealthy people in the church were like, I can do whatever I, I, I need to do. I can buy my way or use my power to get my way out of everything. And what Paul is saying and what this commentator shines a light on brilliantly is saying, even the poor members of the community have a gift that the rich people need. And the rich people have a gift that the poor people need. So in the church, it's not rich or poor, slave or free, male or female. We all need each other. Everyone's gifted in the church. Everyone is. So God gives the church gifts so that we can function as a church in unison. So as a church, we have to depend on one another. Augustine said, 
the only thing that unites people is a common desire for the same thing. The only thing that truly unites people is a common desire for the same thing. Our common desire is to show what God is like in San Francisco. That is our common desire, to make much of Jesus Christ in this city. And the only way we can do that faithfully is by God gifting us uniquely and us using those gifts for the common good. Every one of you using the gift that God has given you. Last week I showed you a graphic of the New Testament sample of the gifts. Here it is. Here's a New Testament sample. It's on our website as well. You can download it or on our social media things. You can get it there. This is a a quick sample of the gifts. And then I also showed you a graphic of how there's one God and one body and how that one God gifts the one body with many different spiritual stuff. And we use this graphic to show you that. Today I want to share with you another graphic. And I want to walk you through this. And this graphic on the top says, much spiritual stuff in many people. A great sentence. (laughs) Much spiritual stuff in many people. There's much spiritual stuff going on in our church. That's what Paul, how Paul starts it. There's there, about much spiritual stuff, about spiritual stuff. There is much spiritual stuff happening in our church, and he's doing it through many people. And the way Paul frameworks it, and this framework is actually the key that unlocks all this stuff. The framework is found in verses 4 through 6, and he says this. Gifts, everyone has spiritual stuff in many people, and it's, it's done through gifts and ministries and what we're going to call this morning eruptions. I wanted to call the sermon eruptions, but I'm like, no, it's too, like, esoteric. But anyway, um, first, much spiritual stuff in many people. Verse 4 says many different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. In verse 5, it says many different kinds of ministry, but the same Lord. In verse 6, it says many different kinds of eruptions or manifestations or workings, but the same God. Paul here is building a helpful framework on how the gifts work, how they operate in the church and the world. So let's look at the first row, the first row, gifts. This is what gifts mean. This is what we call spiritual gifts, charismata in the Greek. These are abilities that the Spirit picks up and repurposes. So everyone in this church has one if you are a follower of Jesus. You have a gift that God either picked up and repurposed in your life It could be the gift of teaching, it could be the gift of administration, it could be the gift of helps, it could be the gift of hospitality. There's many gifts, there's just a small sampling in scripture. You might be gifted and you have gift, or it could be a new one, like you never had one before, you never had this gift, and as soon as you became a follower of Jesus, you were given this gift. Like for me, for example, I was given a gift of teaching that I've never even had before. I was a Christian. I was deathly afraid of public speaking. Still, I don't prefer it even today. I don't like it at all. I don't like being up front of people. I told you this last week. Um, But it's God's given it to me, and I can't just bury it. I have to use it. So the very, I remember the very first time uh, I I was speaking outside of uh, a little junior high group I had. I was asked to speak at a, um, at a school. And the very first time I was asked to speak at a school, I was driving there in the morning to do this little speaking thing, and I, I, I really felt like, to be honest, I was going to my own death. Like, I, I, my, my heart was like, oh, and I was driving going, why am I driving here? Why am I driving here? Why am I driving here? Like, why am I, why am I driving myself to my own death? Like, why do I volunteer? <laughs> Someone should be dragging me, kicking and screaming. I, I shouldn't, like, want to go, ooh, I'm going to go die. Like, I felt that, like, and I remember thinking that as I'm driving, I had a little Ford, um, Explorer that I'm driving on the Fork Explorer, and I'm like, oh, 
I'm, I'm going to my death. Like, why would I do this? And, and then as soon as I was nervous, as soon as I got up there, I really felt like the Spirit of God came upon me and used me, and that happens um, regularly. Sometimes not. Sometimes I get up here and it's silly, and I shouldn't be up here. But other, most times, Lord willing, I'm up here and God gives me the supernatural gift of teaching. But that wasn't a repurposed gift. Now, you might have a gift of teaching, and then God grabs that and repurposes it for his kingdom. God repurposes it for his call. You might be a doctor, and God grabs that and repurposes it for his kingdom. You might be great at administration, God grabs that and repurposes it. Or you might not have any of those things, and God gives you and endows you with something that you never had before. Every believer has at least one of these gifts. Now, the next column, work, uh, ministries or workings, as it says in our translation. This is where you've you got to pay attention. This is so important. Workings or ministries or services is where you use your gifts. So Paul says there's different gifts, but then he says, oh, there's different ways that people use their gifts. Not every teacher is a pastor. Not every teacher is in education. The Spirit of God gives you a gift, but then there's different ways you work that gift out. Services are where you use your gifts. Your abilities and your gifts are to be used in ordered, regular roles of ministry inside and outside the church. So if we continue with the teaching example, I have the gift teaching, but my office or my ministry is the lead pastor of Reality San Francisco. That's, my, that's, that's where I'm called to be. But you may be gifted, and you are te- using your gift of teaching in the children's classroom at Reality. God bless you, or if you're here, or most of them are taking care of our kids. My gift is not better than your gift at all. The eye cannot say to the body, since I'm not an ear, I do not belong to the body. You may be a teacher at a school. You may be a teacher in politics, education, or something like that. You can't go, oh, I use my gift here, but I really wish. No, no. The eye can't say to the body. The ear can't say to the body. We are all different, all of us. We use our gifts differently. Our mileage may vary, and that's the point. You have a gift, and you may use it different than my gift. But the question is, and it says at the bottom, the question is, how are you using your gifts? Are you using the gifts that God has given you? That's the point. Now the last one, eruptions. This is fun. God is so cool to do this. He could have just stopped there. He's like, okay, services, gifts, but no, 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 no. It didn't stop there. It's like, I'm going to do one more thing. I'm going to give workings, not only just workings, but like I'm going to give eruptions. I'm going to give spontaneous bursts. Now, I get this picture of, you know, this, uh, I was telling the, uh, a group of pre-service prayer people this morning um, before praying about this, this thing, and I get a mental picture of a, like a solar flare or something. Like the sun is there, and it's like, woo, you know, doing this fireball thing and shining, and then every so often you get this solar flare, this burst of energy that flies out of the sun. It's like that. We're operating in our gifts. Most of us are, have gifts. All of us have gifts. Most of us are operating them in our ministries. And every so often there's an eruption. Every so often there's an endowment of a gift for a spontaneous moment in time. And it, it shows that God is among us in a powerful, powerful way. An eruption. Scripture says manifestation or workings. But that's kind of hard to get our minds around. That's why I use I like the word eruptions. 
People are using their gifts in ministry in another church, but then there's this eruption of the Spirit of God that something spontaneous happens. And this is where the Spirit of God springs something up. And we have a list of these in verses 8 through 11, and they are these. A message of wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, powers, prophecy, spirits, tongues, and interpretation. These are a sample of the, of the eruptions of the Spirit of God. Eruptions are spontaneous, even if you don't have the gift permanently. Now go back one more slide. Now you might not have a gift permanently, but God gives it to you in a moment. An example would be this. Let's say you're not a doctor. And God gives you an eruption of healing. And you pray for someone and they're healed. You don't at that point go, oh my gosh, I just got my PhD. It's like God just endowed me with, I'm a doctor. Like, I'm going to start a minute. I'm I'm a healing thing. I'm going to go around. Don't call your doctors, everyone. I'm a doctor now. Got to be a doctor. So there you go. That's not, it's, it, it happens in a moment. An example would be uh, Kiara, who just got back from South Africa, who runs our uh, media ministry. Um, uh, several months ago, she was just really, really, really plagued with these um, uh, nerve pain, intense nerve pain. We prayed for her a lot. We anointed her with oil, all this stuff. And then one, uh, they, they, uh, a couple of team leads went away on a retreat, and Pastor Tarek prayed for her. Now, Pastor Tarek sometimes gets solar bursts of healing, one out of maybe 150, but they're still there. And no, more than that, but still. I mean, he doesn't like move around going, hey, I'll heal you. Um, but he, he has been known to heal several people. And so he prayed for Kiara. He prayed for KJ and prayed for her. And she didn't feel well immediately. She, then she said she went away and was just meditating on the Lord and going away, had a little quiet time. She said she felt this tingling sensation all over her body and the pain went away like that and it was gone ever since and it's been gone ever since gifts oh yeah praise god that happens yes that happens a lot happens a lot here i mean that that kind of stuff happens and so is tark now a doctor no no okay um but tark's really good at getting people sick i'll just tell you that right now um She's kind of reverse doctor. But so he has this gift of healing, though, that he operates in, that he moves in at times. At times. The Spirit of God erupts something in him, and and it's pretty powerful. This church wouldn't be here unless the Holy Spirit gave people and surrounded this church at the very beginning with spontaneous eruptions of the gifts of grace. This church had so much prophecy and words of knowledge over it. And I wrote them all down, and I keep them all in a little San Francisco journal. Even to this day, our intercessors and people that pray, they, they, we continue to walk in what God is doing here, but this church wouldn't be here. On July 4th, 2007, I, was, um, I lived in Carpinteria at the time, and I was praying about where we would go to plant a church. Some of you guys know this, this story, um, and I didn't know where it would be. We had no clue. One day, um, on July 4th, I was, doing, I was reading through the Bible in a year, turned to Isaiah chapter 9. I don't know if I was behind. It looks like I was behind, but whatever. And um, Isaiah 9, and I get to verse 2, and it says, The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. You shall multiply the nation, you shall increase their gladness, and they will be glad in your presence. And so I read this, and I heard this um, whisper. It wasn't like, it was just this faint, still, small voice. It was San Francisco. Very, very, very faint. And so I was like, whoa, could that be? Could that be 
where God wants us to go. And so I wrote it in pencil so I can erase it <laughs> at the bottom of my Bible. And that's really important about prophecy too. When you, when you, when you prophesy over someone, you, you got to like say, I, I, might, I might be hearing the Lord. You don't, you're not an Old Testament prophet. Um, if you were, we'd kill you if you got it wrong. So <laughs> you're not an Old Testament prophet. You, you like submit things, okay? That's important. So, um, so I wrote in pencil. And then like three days, four days, five days later, I don't know, sometime later, my, Ash, my wife, she came to me. She goes, hey, are you been praying, have you been praying about San Francisco? And I'm like, why, why have you been reading my Bible? Um, <laughs> like I thought you had your own Bible and that's snooping and I don't really appreciate that. And, um, and she said, uh, no, I didn't, I, didn't read your, I didn't read your Bible. I have my own Bible. And uh, I've just been praying and I just really feel like I sense like San Francisco. I'm like, whoa, well, yeah, I have been praying about that. And then, like, a couple days later, I go, to, I go into reality in carpentry. I go into the church, and Brick, the pastor there, grabs me. And you guys know him. He's been here several times. He comes in, he grabs me, and he says, uh, uh, Lomas, um, I, dude, I, I just met this gal at our church. And, um, and she says she had a vision of, of the church planner. She, does, she doesn't know you, but you, you should call her. Here's her number. Call her on the phone. So I call her on the phone. Her name is Angela. And I said, hey, uh, Pastor Britt said to call you that you had a vision or something like that or whatever. She's like, yeah, I, I just had a dream um, the other night, like two nights ago. And um, I, don't, I don't do this, and I feel really embarrassed. I feel silly. But, uh, but we were in a, a small meeting, and someone asked um, where the next church would be planted, and, and we didn't know, and I just really felt I compelled to tell Britt that I, this vision, and so I did. And I'm like, would you share it with me? And so... Uh, she did. And so later on in 2000, late, a couple months later, I had her email me this because I wanted to keep a record of it. And I have the email here. So let me just read it to you. She says, I saw an SF in, a, in the distance, a dark cloud hung over San Francisco. I wish I could explain the cloud. It was like when people jump out of an airplane and hold tight to each other and form a, a circle, only dark and right over the, the whole town of San Francisco, the whole town of SF. Then all of a sudden, I, I, I was in a, a reality church in the city, she says. I was all, we were there. And pastors were there, and all these other people were there. And, there. and we were all talking to each other as if the service had just gotten over. Then I saw a hand reach down and opened up the roof of the church, and the brightest light came out. It's hard to explain this when you write it down, but I want you to get the picture. The light was not like a spotlight. It was like, you know, on a, cloud, a cold, cloudy day, the beams of sun come through the clouds. That was more what I saw and the light was brighter than, uh, and then all the bright small lights in the shape of butterflies came forth from the light and started to fly over San Francisco. Then I woke up. And so she shares with on the phone with me. She's like timid. She's like, okay, so I saw this. So I saw a city, and it was, it was dark, and then light came out. So I don't know if that means anything to you. And that's how she just said it. And I, and I, and I, and I was like, okay, let me read to you Isaiah 9. Just read this like last week. And and I was praying about San Francisco, and I read this to her, and she started to weep. She started to cry because her gifts normally were raising her family, and she had the gift of prayer. And she operated in those gifts regularly. And she told me on the phone, she said, Dave, I've, I, I, want, I, I want God to use me like this, and I've been praying for that, and I just can't believe he did. It was a spontaneous eruption of God's gifts, it was by his grace that he gave Angela that vision. Right after I read that, there's so many more that will probably drip out over the next several weeks of this series. So many more 
things and reasons, and there's probably things going on in your very life. The reason why the manifestation gifts are so beautiful, the reason why the eruptions of God's grace are so needed in the church today, especially the gift of prophecy, is that these gifts powerfully show that God is among us. They show that God is hearing us, that God is listening to us, that God is with us, and that the kingdom of God is breaking in. This strengthens us, this encourages us, this comforts us, and we need this. Last week after church, I was talking to some folks out by the book table, and I was giving some recommendations on a book someone asked me about, and then right as soon as I was done talking to this gentleman, a gal walked up and grabbed me, and she was really, really, really excited. She said, I want to tell you something. And um, she goes, I want to tell you something that happened right here where you're standing, right here. She goes, come over here, come over here, right here, 15 minutes ago. And I, 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 okay, tell me. And she said that she was walking through the halls right, right down over here, right by the book table, and she walked past a gal, and she heard God say, tell her she's perfect. And the gal was like, I can't say that. <laughs> like, I don't even know if that's theologically correct. Can I really say that? Like... And she really felt like God said, tell her she's perfect. She goes, I can't, I can't like just walk up to someone. And then she said, I remember like the Holy Spirit, like maybe it's God, the Spirit of God. And so she, she mustered up all the courage she had and tapped her on her shoulder and she said, excuse me, I, I just really feel like God wants me to tell you that you are perfect. And the girl's just eyes locked on her. And the girl who said, who heard from God, at that moment was given like prophetic things to speak into this woman's life. And she started saying this and that and this, and all of them were right on, thinking of, uh, speaking into a relationship that, I mean, they didn't even know each other. And this, and just confirming all these things. And this woman who was listening to this started crying. And they started crying together, and they prayed, and they swapped information, and they parted ways. She goes, I want you to know, like, God is, God did that. I had no, I don't even, like, do this. This is crazy. It's so encouraging. And the thing that's so encouraging about it is that you realize that God is with us. That God is here. Now, let me stop you from maybe one of these thoughts. You might be going, well, that's such a bummer. I was just handing out coffee last week. <laughs> that's all I did. Like, I didn't get in like prophetic, like, bams or anything like that. Like, I was greeting and handing out coffee. Now, listen. The hand can't say to the body, since I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. You have to remember that God uses everyone differently. You might, God might give you unction. He might spontaneously spark something in you to a, a gift of wisdom. And not just here on Sunday, throughout the week. These things should be happening as we live life together. As the testimony declared, as we live life together, we share meals together, we share life together. These things should be spontaneously happening. And we should be submitting them humbly to one another. Humbly. Even when they're words of exhortation, even when they're warnings, we have to do it humbly. My friend Britt, pastor of Reality in Carpinteria, taught me a lot about these manifestation gifts in, in their operation, theologically too, but in their operation, how they work out. There's a lot of um, intercessors at Reality Carp that helped start this church, and a lot of prophets and prophetesses there. And one of them that, um, that was really close to helping plant this church by praying and prophesying over this church. Um, Britt asked her recently, because he taught on, on prophecy recently, he asked her, give me a, a description of prophecy. What is prophecy to you? And, and she wrote him this, and he sent this to me. Um, and I want to read it to you. She says this about the gift of prophecy. 
The gift of prophecy is always an opportunity to share with someone the love of God. The gift of prophecy is always an opportunity to share with someone the love of God. Whenever I receive something that I discern the Lord wants me to share, I am learning that if it is not shared to reveal the love of the Father for that individual, then problems occur. Even when a word is a correction or a warning, it is given because God loves them and, he, and wants his fullness to be worked in them or through them. Often, he wants to give them hope and have their faith increase to believe in him. It's relational between the Father and the individual. It should always draw them closer. When we're operating in these gifts, this is what should happen. It should always reveal the love of the Father. This is what the Spirit of God does. This is what the book of Romans says, that the Spirit of God pours the love of the Father abroad in our hearts. It should draw us to Christ. That's what the Spirit does. When the Spirit is poured out on a church, it's to draw us to Christ. And so these manifestation gifts are for this reason. And so let's go through them really, really quickly as we wind this down. A message of wisdom. I want you to know what these are. Message of wisdom. This is an ability to give guidance for dealing with challenging circumstances, taking the principles of God's word. Well, God might endow you with the gift of wisdom, like all of a sudden you have this gift of wisdom to know how to discern a challenging circumstance. A gift of knowledge, a special, me a special message marked by theological understanding, or this could be a spontaneous impartation of factual info that could, or information, I shortened it, um, that could not have been known without the Spirit's lead. Like God gives you insight into someone else's life. Now, when this happens, when this happens, it's never to condemn. There is no condemnation, therefore, for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so if someone walks up to you and says, I, want, I have a word from you for God. God told me what you did, and you're going to burn. <laughs> That's not like you're going, whoa, whoa. Okay, wait, whoa, wait. God might have told you something, but it wasn't like, and you're going to burn. <laughs> it might be he loves you, you need to repent of your sin, but not your, it's not condemnation. Do you understand that? Um, gift of faith, God-given confidence is saving power and presence. What I like to do often is when we have this really, really, really big thing happening in our church, I'll open up the prayer meeting like this. Does anyone really feel like God's giving them a gift of faith right now to pray? Anyone feel endowed with faith? And then we'll start a prayer meeting like that. And I'd say 99% of the times, the things that, we, that they pray for come to pass. Like this building is one of them. Um, there's so many other things that God has moved powerfully in our church because people have gift of faith. Um, gift of healing, ability to reverse destructive impact of sin and sickness. Miraculous power, supernatural acts that reveal God's power. Prophecy, communication given by God as a response to and tailored to the special needs and issues of those who hear it. Discerning spirits, this is really important. Uh, the ability to know if it's from God and not from God. It's the ability to know if something supernatural happens. Not all supernatural things are from God. There's some supernatural things that can happen that are not from God. They're from Satan. They're really demonic. And this spiritual gift is like, that's not from God at all. And I know that. And the Spirit of God just told me that's, that's wrong. She this happening all throughout the book of Acts. The gift of tongues, the ability to praise God. That's what happens with tongues. It's a language to God to pray or to pray in languages unknown to the user. And interpretation is the ability to interpret those languages. Now, let me read you a scholar on the importance of these gifts. The importance of all those gifts. They say this. What distinguishes this listing is the concretely visible nature of these items, especially of the last seven. These, after all, are not only gifts, they are, above all, manifestations of the Spirit's presence in their midst. 
They're manifestations that God is with us. Most likely, he goes on, chosen because they are, like tongues itself, extraordinary phenomena. They're chosen by God that know that God is among us, that God is working, that God is real. And God is so good when we are obedient to listen to him to reveal himself. So, as we close, how do we respond to these gifts? What do we do because of these? What do we do because they are active in our church today? Number one, give thanks to the giver. Give thanks. God should be recognized and glorified as the generous giver of all gifts. When someone walks up to me or one of the pastors or one of the prayer team people or my wife who regularly moves in prophetic prayers for people, thank you. And they're like, no, praise God. Like he's the giver of the gift. We should praise God. And since God has generously lavished us with spiritual gifts, and since he has done this for the well-being of other members of our community, for the common good, we should do this. Number two, use our gifts. How do we respond to the gifts? Praise God for the gifts and use them. We should be pouring out our spiritual gifts as they've been poured out upon us. Proper worship of God would mean sharing our gifts with others as generously as God has shared them with us. These two responses are illustrated in a story. Some, someone told me something that happened this last week. I was meeting with a couple of friends over coffee, um, studying uh, scripture together like we do and praying for one another and that sort of thing. And, and, um, and he, he just said, hey, I just want to testify of God's grace right now. He said this last week, he's, he's, he's a freelance um, uh, designer. And, you know, if you guys know freelance at all, it's feast or famine. And, uh, and it's, it was famine at this time. And he was like, it was really hard. And, and bank account was getting tight. And all this stuff was happening. And I started getting really stressed out. And I have anxiety issues. And I, anxiety leads to physical things. And all, it's just a, a cycle that I go down. And so this time I'm like, no, I can't go down that road. I'm going to trust God. So I closed all my emails. I stopped pursuing leads. I just shut it all down and said, God, I trust you completely with this. And he said, I think it was the next day or hours later, one of those, it was in between 24 hours later, him and his wife were, were just, driving in their car and got an email on, the, on his phone and someone that he had worked for um, previously who had paid him completely just said, hey, you've helped us so much. We wanted, I just wanted to give you a check. And he said it was a check. It wasn't like a check. It wasn't like a blessing. It was a blessing. It was like that. <laughs> He's like, and it was a check. It was a fat check. And I was like, whoa, wait, I didn't do anything. I can't do receive it. He goes, no, receive it. Thank you for all that you did and all the stuff that you did. Thank you. And just gave it to him as a gift. First thing that he did was he pulled over his car and they thanked God. Thank you, God. The second thing they did was we have to get rid of some of this. We have to give it away as well. We have to, we have to give off of this money. Like we have, we have to live off this, but we have to give some of this away as well. The two impulse responses is thank God and how do I use this? This is exactly what we're talking about. When God endows you with a spiritual gift, thank you, God, how do I use it? How do I use this gift? Because it's not for me. How do I use this? God pours out his spirit on us. And when he does, he gives divine endowments that become opportunities and obligations. Opportunities for service, but also obligations for service. Because now that you've been endowed with that gift, you have an obligation to use it for Christ's glory. You have an obligation to do that. This last week, one of my favorite um, pieces in the Chronicle is every 
Wednesday, I believe, yeah, every Wednesday there's a article that comes out called Hills of San Francisco. I can't wait. Every Wednesday I look forward to it and I read it and it gets to my house in the morning and, um, and they just focus on a different hill and they tell some history of the city behind this hill. And this week was Pack Heights. And they go, okay, the rich part of the city, a lot of wealth there, a lot of stuff, but what we don't, what we don't realize is that most of the endowments of our parks and free services in San Francisco come from those homes. Like the Hardly Strictly Bluegrass Festival. That's free that you might be going to. You're like, shut up, let's go. I got to get to that concert. <laughs> that would not be here unless those people that live up there in Pack Heights endow the city. They've been given this and in turn, because they've been so wealthy, out of their wealth, they give back for the common good of San Francisco. So the parks that you hike through in San Francisco, the trails that you go through were endowments for very wealthy people. And let me say this, church, you are rich in the gifts of God. You are rich in the gifts of God and they are for the common good. You are wonderfully gifted, so let me encourage you to know your gift. Your gift is for the common good. Commit yourselves to ministry or a position where your gift can be used inside or outside the church. And lastly, be open and obedient to the manifestations of the Spirit to do supernatural stuff in our city, in our church. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you. Yes, Lord, thank you. Thank you for this church. I know you've wonderfully gifted them, powerfully empowered them, God, and I pray that we would operate in a very healthy way in these gifts. I know, that, Lord, I know that you're not weird. I know you're not strange at all. And I pray that your church wouldn't be as, as well. So I pray that as you move and do supernatural things, it would, be, it would be so sweet. It would be right. It would be good. It would be orderly. But I pray that you would keep us from timidity. You wouldn't keep us from being so afraid of messing up that we don't do anything. So God, may there be great forgiveness in here when some of us act out of order, but let there be great power in, in, in this church as well to move in the giftings and the callings that we have received in Jesus' name. Amen.